0: Hello and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Cassidy. I took the months of August and September off of the podcast, recorded a little bit here and there, but not too much. I've become pretty aware and mindful of my own sort of precursor symptoms to burnout, which I was feeling a little bit, and this podcast is a total passion project and I wanted it to maintain its passion qualities. So I took a little bit of a break and I am back though now to share a few more episodes with you through the end of the year. Today's episode is extra special because virtually I sit down with my very good friend, Taylor Sterling founder and creative director of Glitter Guide. Taylor and I talk about what it takes to maintain a long-distance friendship, as well as her sharing her origin story, how she carved her own path. We talk about creative insecurities, social comparison, social media, and redefining what growth means for you. I'm really excited to share this episode with you, so let's jump in. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast with Dr. Cassidy Freitas, licensed marriage and family therapist. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, let's jump in. Hello and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. In today's episode, I am sitting down with well, virtually with my good friend Taylor Sterling. Hi, Taylor. Hi. I'm so excited to be finally doing this. <laughs> I mean, how many times do you think that we intended to do this and then decided to do
1: other things that felt more fun? <laughs> no, I know. I think it's been, since you launched the podcast, maybe before <laughs> you launched the podcast, we've been talking. I know. About that. I, mean, I know. I'm glad that we always yeah. chose. We always chose to just hang out with each other instead, which is great. But. Right.
0: We always chose quality time. And so now, even though we've been with each other multiple times this year, we are doing this virtually. So I'm glad we made it work. I'm glad we made it work. So I thought, Taylor, that first and foremost, we should share our relationship (laughs) love story. (laughs) Because, Because I mean, as both of our husbands, always like joke with us about like it's a love story and it all started online. We met online and I swiped left. <laughs> I don't even know if that's like the direction Actually yeah is it yeah. swipe
1: right or swipe left. I don't know.
0: <laughs> but I met you through social media and I don't know. I just think the story is fun because it's such a modern day friendship where I think I commented on one of your things on like on Instagram and clearly I piqued your interest <laughs> you clicked over and then we just started I think you started like um sending me like like asking like oh like because I had a daughter might well I have a daughter and you were pregnant with your daughter yeah. and I mean I was sharing like you know pictures of my daughter and like outfits and stuff and you were asking like where things were from yeah and
1: you were it was mainly her I think like right when you had like right when I clicked over onto one of your comments which we were just talking about this before we started recording. but you were saying that you don't normally comment and it's funny especially back then this is before the algorithm and everything um, commenting was just kinda of, I mean, it was nice, but it wasn't something that like I paid attention to much. And I for yeah. some reason the universe wanted us to be friends. So I clicked on your comments and then when I went to your feed, I was like, Whoa, because you had like, yeah, you just had you had great style. you you I think it was Riley's second birthday had just happened. Mm-hmm. And I was like, look at this birthday party. And it was just like a brand new world for me, just like being pregnant with my daughter at the time. And I had, you know, it was my first baby. I became very infatuated with that whole world. And so I remember thinking I was even more impressed with you because you you didn't really work in the industry. So it's not like you were doing these things because of something. You were doing it just because it was you, which made (laughs) me like you even more. (laughs) Really sweet.
0: And, and yeah, I had like maybe like 200, like it was like 200 of my like, you know, friends and family that followed me. <laughs> I, remember, I remember you saying like, wait, so you don't do this? Like, where where are you sharing these? And I'm like, no, I'm just, I just really like to throw like <laughs> I mean, outrageous parties <laughs> like back then. Now yeah. I don't have the time for that. But oh, no,
1: your parties are still amazing. But, um, <laughs> but it was funny because we, I feel like we quickly took our relationship to the next level, like. We we quickly went from like commenting to like I think emailing maybe and then and then we went to text messaging, and then you know talking. I mean we didn't really talk on the phone much, but then it was, I think it was so it must have been from like August of two thousand like I don't know twelve or something to mm-hmm. where or maybe it was thirteen I can't remember probably two thousand thirteen I think it was thirteen then, so it was yeah two thousand thirteen and then we met um when Elodie was six months old in San Francisco. And the That's rest right. is history.
0: <laughs> I, my so I okay, so I remember <laughs> I, I, I was trying to look back to our emails and I was like, so I wanna see like who who like asked for the digits first, you know, like who was like, okay, we can start texting. And Probably and me. I think it was you. I think it was you, Taylor. <laughs> Probably me. You yeah. were like, Let's take this to the next level. Let's start texting. I was like, I um, take
1: this off Instagram <laughs>
0: <laughs> And then our husbands just thought it was the weirdest thing that, like, I mean, my my brother lived in San Francisco when when I flew up there with my mom and Riley to to meet you and Joey and Elodie. But my husband, like, I think our husbands still were just so. And even my mom was like, hey, "We're meeting, we're meeting somebody that you met online." And I'm like,
1: no. yes. <laughs> I swear, like, she's not some crazy like murderer. No, yeah, I know. I feel like now. I mean, fast forward to now. It's a yeah. lot more common for people to become like Instagram friends um, yes. or, you know, social media friends, um, you know, and I was used to becoming friends quickly with people who just like were online that also worked in my industry, but it was the first time I had ever just this, like, you know, a random comment turned into a best friend and it's just really bizarre, but it was, I'm so glad wow. that
0: it happened. Me too. I love you.
1: I love you You're too. my person. <laughs>
0: um. So... I'm trying to think if there's any other fun parts to the story.
1: So somebody was asking on my Instagram how we maintain a long distance friendship. And I think we've talked about this before, but I was thinking about it and I think like one of the I feel like the key to any long distance relationship in general is just like um constantly keeping in contact. Like we never really go more than a few days without texting. And I feel like that helps us keep the relationship a little more like current and we can text a lot more about just mundane type of everyday things whereas if we waited a really long time and we'd always have that awkward like let's catch up what's going on and we would we right. kind of like brush over a lot of the little details that we get to know about each other from texting all the time
0: I think I think you're I think you're right and I think there another piece of that is I feel like in the very beginning of any friendship or relationship there's I mean you're I mean we were like in we were texting every single day, yeah. multiple it times. It was a heavy, we were, like, heavy and, and hard
1: in the beginning.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I, I hope our husbands listen to it this. It's appropriate
1: like, for your audience. You
0: know, um, i was so <laughs> about it. But, um, <laughs> but, but then I also think that as – because I think that also what can be hard is that when you don't have, like, when you don't have the, like, proximity to each other um, – I don't know. I think that sometimes when you're just relying on like text messages that sometimes if like too many days go by and then you feel like, well, are we not that are we not that close? Are Is everything okay? But I feel like that with, with you and I, like we do a lot of like open communication with each other of like checking in or like, hey, I've missed talking to you. And like, this is what's been going on. And I've been, you know, I don't know, and there's like an understanding of also like the busyness and stage of our lives. Yeah. I think that it really helps that we're in very similar stages. Yes. Um, yes. I don't know. And we also like, just send each other random. I mean, instead of just relying on social media to keep us in touch, like there's a lot of like little, like in between life videos that I'm taking of the kids or of us that I'm like, I'm texting you and I'm sending you, and it's not on social media. And so I think that it's not just about, I mean, I think that social media is so cool in the way that it can connect people and help people stay connected, but it's also like going beyond right. that because there's right. more. I don't know, there's just more personalization to the fact that I'm choosing to connect with you right now. And totally.
1: Experience. And I think, you know, we, because we have the long distance part, we we make a, a, a strong effort to get together a couple times a year. I mean, luckily we're both in California, but, um, and so we get to do, we get together and we do these really fun activities with our families, which makes everything super fun. But I think, you know, we also balance it out by the more kind of everyday um, talking with each other. Yeah. So it's not just like the only, the fun stuff. It's that kind of, we get more of that well-rounded friendship. So, And
0: it helps that now that our husbands are beyond how weird it was that we met online and how much they made fun of us, that now like our husbands, our friends, and, you know, our families, we just love, we love traveling yes, with you guys. And it just makes it, just makes it so easy.
1: Yeah. So nice. Um, Social media and it, You know, we'll probably talk about this, that social media just gets kind of a bad rap these days. And there are a lot of legit reasons for that, but there's so many good things that come from it too that we kind of forget that.
0: I know. I know, I know. It does. And I I sometimes I think I've had I think a lot of people have had like little like I don't know, social media crises lately of just feeling like they wanna just completely get off of it or um Yeah. Or just having a really, like you said, bad sort of relationship with it and it gets a bad reputation, but it really does, it really can connect people. I think it's just about being really intentional about how we're using it, you know? So yeah, I'm sure. Well, I think we'll probably touch more on that as we kind of dive deeper into some of the some of the stuff we're gonna talk about today, which is related to being a creative, defining your creative craft, and um, creative insecurities and comparisons. So there's a lot that I know we wanted to chat about, but I was hoping we could first maybe start off with a little bit of your origin story, because just from knowing you, Personally, and as well as I do, I know that this is connected to some of those experiences. So maybe you could share just a little bit of your origin story with the audience.
1: Yeah. Okay. So we're going to go, I'll go like a little ways back now. I think starting from around college kind of makes sense to kind of explain where I'm at today. But so... Grow like I feel like growing up and stuff. My my parents both were really creative. They my mom was always really into arts and photography, and my dad was always really into media and pop culture and like journalism. Um, but both of my parents did these things just mo- mostly just on the side of their. My dad was a teacher. My mom was a nurse. Right, so it was always kind of on the side. So there wasn't really any like entrepreneurial. Um, Careers around me growing up. And when I went to go to college, I had to pick a major in order to enter college. I went to Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo and I had zero clue <laughs> what I wanted to do. And I had to pick it, you know, you're like however old, 18 or something. And um, so I decided to go with communications because it was really broad and general. And I felt like that was an easy major to have when you have no clue what you want to do with your life. So. <laughs>
0: just to normalize your experience of that. I don't I don't remember if I've ever told you this before. Did I ever tell you that I, I literally, this is actually kind of embarrassing, but I literally picked psychology as I changed my major from communications to psychology the day that we like the um it was like orientation oh. or something. I changed it that day literally because a good friend of mine was a, a psych major, and I just like I was like I don't really care about communications and psychology is interesting and I just was nervous and switched so that I could be in the same orientation group <laughs> as her. And years later, this I know, is my right? career. If you hadn't have done she's like, it, Where would you have done been? It? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I I want to believe that I would have ended up here anyway. Um, I think, but it's funny because she's not in the field oh, that, at all. <laughs> I literally, <changed. laughs> I mean, I think it just also speaks to though at that as as a young adult, like there's just, I mean, there's a lot of sort of uncertainty and I mean insecurity of like making these big oh, decisions. Oh, so it's re-
1: kind of ridiculous in a way that. You're forced to be put into these majors that, at the time, you think is going to really define who you are and what your life's going to be. You know, Um, yeah, and you know, throughout college, I I did start to kind of get some urges of that, like, oh, maybe I should switch more into like um, into the journalism, like mass communications, Um, but it wasn't really easy, and I couldn't do it, so I just continued on with my communication major and. Um, growing up too, I had always had a really strong interest in fashion and lifestyle. And like I mentioned, my dad was really into like pop culture and that was a big interest of mine. And, um, I, I remember for my 17th birthday, I had made this like really big collage of all these fashion models and, and scanned it and made it my invitation for my birthday party. And I remember, Um, it's just not something that just, you see a lot of. And my parents, I remember my dad was like, if you could just get a job in making collages, like that would be really great. And funny, like in retrospect now, I feel like I should have done something like graphic design, but that just wasn't something that people talked about. I mean, this might make me sound naive. I have no clue if it even existed when I was going to school. It must have, but like nobody talked about it. Um, you know, I feel like computers and the internet were around, but it still wasn't the way it is today. So I, it it was not even in my like scope of a a career or a major that I could have. Um, I think it would have served me well now if I did have it, but that being said, I graduated with the communication major. I had zero clue what I wanted to do. The only thing that had kind of sparked my interest in college was that I had landed on an internship at Women's Wear Daily in Los Angeles. And for those who don't know, Women's Wear Daily is kind of more of like a, it's a very prestigious like insider um, magazine and, and paper that circulates through the fashion industry. So if you work in the fashion industry, you definitely subscribe to Women's Wear Daily and read it. So it was this huge thing for me to get this internship. I moved down to LA for a whole summer My parents were paying like $600 a month for me to live in this like little dining room that had been converted into a bedroom. And I was like basically living my dream though. I had always dreamt of maybe working for a fashion magazine, but it just didn't seem like a reality to me because I always envisioned it being like in LA or in New York. And I knew that I wanted to move back to the Silicon Valley Bay Area after school And as, as much as I had a great experience with that internship, I knew like when I came home, there weren't going to be a ton of opportunities, um, in fashion. I, I knew I could probably land like a corporate job working, um, at Levi's or Gap in San Francisco, or at least I could attempt to, to land it. I don't know if I could have got a job there, but you, that would have been something I could have tried for. Um, but I also don't live in San Francisco, and at the time, I didn't want to have to commute in and out of the city. So I really felt kind of lost um, after school, which you know I know most people they do after college just feel really like, what What do I do now? Um, so I ended up with just like a bunch of different careers. I started off doing management um, and recruiting for Abercrombie in retail, which we've talked about before. Um, <laughs> um, which I did for a couple of years. I thought I was only going to do it for like a year, but I actually did learn um, some stuff about myself while working in that career. I really learned that I loved recruiting, which ended up being something yeah. I did later on. So fast forward through a couple of random jobs after after retail, and I ended up taking a career in financial services, which was never something I had ever considered. Um, the reason that I was interested in it is they wanted me to do, uh, be the director of recruiting for their firm, and mm-hmm. it wasn't. It was corporate, but it wasn't like working at like uh, Lehman Brothers or something like that. It was an independent firm, and they were going to give me a lot of autonomy and just like let me kind of create the job that I wanted as long as I hit the numbers that they wanted. You know, so. Even though I was a salaried employee, I had a lot of freedom and flexibility in this job, which was something I was sort of interested in.
0: Well, it sounds like it's something that you kind of discovered was a value of yours, like, and that you needed to have. And, and yeah, I didn't, have.
1: I don't think I really realized it till I started working there that I liked that. Um, mm-hmm. I think being slightly more introverted, it was nice to kind of have a job where I could be, I had my own little office and, um, I could create, I mean, they had hours for me, but they were flexible. And so I just like learned that I really liked having that freedom to kind of do my own thing. Um, and the other thing that was really interesting about that job is I was talking to, um, applicants every day about what it took to be an entrepreneur and the skills that they needed to have to be an entrepreneur and the characteristics that they needed to have. And and I was weighing in on that. And again, I had like zero background in anything entrepreneurial before. So I was just going off of a script. But once I started to work there for a couple of years, I really started to see like who does well in this job, like what, What kind of things do they need to do? And I think it just got kind of ingrained in me (laughs) and I knew the things that I would have to have if I ever wanted to go off on my own and do something. Um, That still wasn't something that I had considered until, you know, again, I'm working in financial services. So I did kind of, I got a little bit bored because it just wasn't, it just wasn't the right line of work for me. So I think a year into that job, I just, was kind of messing around online and I came across, um, a blog and I was immediately like infatuated. I was obsessed. Like I was like, what is this? I I can't believe these things exist. This was probably the end of 2008, maybe.
0: Do you remember like which blog it was? Or, oh like, yeah.
1: What was it's ironic because it was, you know, you could go anywhere on a blog, but it happened to be somebody in San Francisco. She had a blog. I think she's still around. Her blog is called Poetic and Chic. Uh And, um, I felt I was just reading through her blog and, you know, it was much more, it was very wordy. It was not like just like pretty images. It was just like, she was talking about things that she found were beautiful and that she loved and writing about it. And that was something that, I kind of always did on my own, like in journals and in and in books and such. And so I was like, I have to create one of these, ASAP. And so I went home and that night created my old blog, which was Sterling Style. Yeah. And and yeah. And so I started doing blogging, which was mostly just like inspirations and things that I thought people would want to try. And then I started playing around with um, style blogging because that was really becoming big, like in two thousand nine. And I balance doing my personal blog and working full-time at the um, financial services firm for probably like two and a half years or so. Um, um, and then that takes us full circle to when I thought of Glitter Guide. So I think what surprises a lot of people is that I had thought of Glitter Guide and decided that I wanted to do Glitter Guide over personal blogging only within about two years of doing my blog. And I think that the reason is, is that, you know, I loved my blog and I loved doing it, but I felt like, it's just funny because I I wasn't really that much older, but a lot of the girls who were, I would come across who were also doing style blogging at the time were much younger than me. And I was probably like 27 ish. Mm -hmm. And, and so I knew like I was probably going to get married soon and I knew I was going to have kids and. I just knew that what my life was going to start looking like in the next 10 years. And I was like, we're just not, I'm, you know, and Joey, my husband, um, wasn't really the Instagram husband that a lot of people (laughs) have these days. So I knew that I couldn't continue to try to ask him to take pictures of me. It's fun because
0: I actually know what that looks like in real life. (laughs) <laughs> like yes. he's
1: very supportive, but he's you know he's not he's not into really he's like kind of like take two pictures and then he's done. Um, so I kind of knew there wasn't i there wasn't gonna be a longevity in me trying to always be the main focus of attention. so I wanted to create something that was more um for the readers and a little bit more um focused on amazing women um and that's yeah. kind of like, you know, I think. What I sort of feel like my purpose is in some, in some ways is to really highlight these women that I've come across and and sh- share their story, whether that's like the shop that they have or a cause that they're doing or how they dress or what their home looks like. Um, I really wanted Glitter Guide to be a place where we could highlight those things and then also sprinkle in just like fun lifestyle tidbits that people would like to read every day. Um yeah. And so, yeah, so that's kind of where I got to Glitter Guide. And then I was stuck with that whole, like, wait, how how do I do this? How do I, you know, I didn't have the luxury of leaving my career. Um, I needed to have money. So um, I was just constantly thinking, like, how can I leverage this and, and create, run, at the time, I thought I was going to run Sterling Style Glitter Guide and work, and I didn't know what to do. So Luckily, again, the universe like spoke and I was laid off from my career at the financial services firm. So I was devastated because I wasn't expecting it. And even though I had wanted to quit for kind of a while, I just, I had never been let go from somewhere before and always really pride, like had a lot of pride in thinking that. I worked really hard and, but luckily, like they were amazing. I feel like they just knew, (laughs) like they didn't know about my blog. At least I didn't think they knew about my blog, but I feel like they kind of just knew that this wasn't the place for me. And so the way they let me go, I had a severance. I I was able to qualify for unemployment and that was really the key. Like I had enough to get by for like half a year while I got Glitter Guide off the ground. And, and then, yeah, again, like the rest is history.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's so many pieces of your story that like, as I'm hearing you, I mean, I've, i I know, I know your origin story, right. <laughs> but like to hear you describe it in the way that you just did, there's so many elements there where now knowing the work that you do now, how you brought so much of that and created this, 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 this work for yourself, right. Like the, so the pieces of wanting freedom and flexibility um, also, you know the fact that your dad said if you could just make collages for a living, I mean, <laughs> in like, I mean, in I mean, it's not I mean a, it's not I mean it's so much more than that. But I mean uh, that, really? but really, <laughs> <laughs> really. Like, I mean, just like your your ability to like sort of bring um, bring images and pieces together to sort of create um, a feeling and a story, uh, but also like the recruitment stuff. You know. Um, I mean, in recruitment, a lot of it is you're 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 looking to others to see what they're doing and to see if that's something that you think is um, a value to bring, you know, and for in your case with Glitter Guide, it's to like share and showcase. Okay. Um, and also the part of you being an introvert and like needing alone time and like wanting your own space to kind of be in your like creative mind, right? Um I don't know. I feel like a lot of those pieces are things that you've created now with the work that you're doing.
1: I know. It's just really, it's weird. I mean, I feel like anybody, when they reflect back, I mean, you can see how the pieces kind of all come together. And I I think everybody feels that way. And I think that should be something that is a relief to people who are kind of deep in that is that like, no matter what phase you're going through, if you're having these like doubts and you're not sure if it's the right decision, it's like the, all the decisions you make, like turn into something in some way or another, you know, and lead you to your path eventually, you know, and that path will continue to change. But um, I just think that like, there just needs to be so much less pressure on ourselves to have it all figured out all the time, you know? And, and especially when you're so young, I think, it doesn't, there really, are a lot. Yeah. Of it's less about what, you know, and I'm, it's funny I say this because I still struggle with this, but at the same time, if I look, think about it, you know, it is less about like what you what you're doing and more about all the things you're learning while you're doing that, if that makes sense. So
0: it is. It is. Yeah. yeah. So I know that, you know, so you, you've now, so now you've created this business, right. And um, for yourself in this life, But I know from knowing you, um, but also I think that a lot of creatives struggle with this in terms of like defining your craft. It's funny that we started off this conversation with like how like defining our major, right, and describing like how (laughs) difficult that was. And but also I think that in at some level, when you're a creative, there's still those like discourses and messages of like, well, what's the box you fit into, right? Right. Like, are you a stylist? Are you a photographer? Are you a this or a that? Right? Like, are you a graphic designer? Um, Are you a designer? So I don't know, have you have you found yourself still sort of like struggling with some of those like messages of like you need to be put in a box? And what box do you fit in?
1: totally and I, I yeah, I've talked to you about that before and I, I think it's silly because I know that it's not something that I should worry about you know I know that but somehow that you know those voices will still creep into your head at certain times and um, you know I feel like like you were saying society like really wants to put you in a box they want to label you they want to know what you are and especially now I feel like with the Instagram algorithm, if we're going back to that, I feel like it's even more so because it's like, I feel like it's right now it's like the highlighted time of people who have this niche. So it's like, if you're a designer, you know, then you've got like this audience and they look to you and you have high engagement. Cause you're like a designer and that's what you do. Or you a DIY person or a photographer or a stylist, like you're saying, and they're, they're thriving right now. I feel like, because when you have like this one niche people follow you for that and they look to you for that. And so they tend to like and engage with you more because you're always kind of posting about that. And yeah, for me, I've never really fit into just one box because I never had just one of those expertise things. So, you know, I feel like I do styling work, but I'm not a stylist and I do a lot of photography, but I'm not a photographer or I do a lot of writing and editorial work, but Mm -hmm. I'm not a writer. And um, I'm, I do a lot with design and I'm not a graphic designer. So I feel like I can a lot of times get caught up and be like, who the heck am I to be like coming up with this stuff or telling people how to do something or.
0: Is that when imposter, is that when imposter syndrome kind of shows up? Totally, for you, I, I think,
1: think so. they go hand in hand. Yeah, like it's just like this comparison to people who have this expertise and can really kind of thrive in one particular area where I, just, I don't know that, that I could do that. I think for me, it's always been more of this overarching thing, which some people might say, Oh no, that's great. That's, that's perfect. And, and yeah, I think that there's a benefit to it and I'm starting to see how I can kind of carve my path with it a little more than I used to, but it can feel limiting in feeling like I can only take things so far, you know, because I don't have more expertise. So if I have an idea and I want to take that idea and make it into a reality, I always have to coordinate with so many more people because I, and and not to say that people who have like a photographer, they all have to work with other people to do things. But if I want to create a product or a story or something, I usually have to work with somebody else to make that idea come to life, which is is a good skill to have. But again, it's that voice that will come into my head sometimes when I'm feeling anxious or insecure that oh, you know, you should be able to do this yourself, or if only you could do it yourself, it would be better, or you would know more what you're doing, or, you know, I mean, just all kinds of different things.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. And it's so, it's so interesting. So I feel like in, in many ways, that is what you are. I mean, I feel like, I almost feel like if, if you were in a position where like you could do all the parts of something, right? Like I actually don't think that you would enjoy that process as much because in just in knowing you personally, you are as much as you are an introvert. You're also somebody who loves to have like a team and like people around you and like creating something together, um, like watching you and Em, like watching you and Emily, like who does a lot of photography, like you guys, I I mean, if it was just you and you didn't have, I mean, and I don't know, I feel like there's an element of where like sort of the team process and the supportive process is something that you really like thrive in, but yet there's still that discourse of like, well, shouldn't I be
1: able to do these things on my own? Yeah, no, totally. I feel, I mean, I think it's definitely there's something to be said of having a skill of being able to, you know, relay your ideas and your uh, things that you imagined okay. up into different areas. So like, I have to help work with a photographer. I have to help work with a designer and, and help us translate those things and get them to see what my vision is, which can be a challenge. But I think that there's also yeah. some, there's skill in that. And that's kind of what I've gotten to at this point, but it can feel like, it can feel like that's hard to express to people as like a talent. It's it's less tangible mm-hmm. for people. Like they don't quite get you or can kind of don't get what you do. They're like, well, okay, I see how you do creative direction and art direction, which is a lot of what I do now. But that's not something I can show to the world as easy. You know, I mean, I can show them images that pop up and the designs that we make, but it's still just harder. I don't know how to quite verbalize it, but it's like... Um, I think that's a struggle.
0: What? <laughs> That's the struggle is yeah. like verbalizing it. Like, I think that, um, I mean, it's just sort of the way our brains work is that our brains, our brains operate through words and language, right? And so, and then we connect those words and language to other things that we know in order to make sense of somebody or something. And so you find yourself sort of struggling with like, how do I language this and articulate it in a way that that somebody can understand and connect with and kind of, yeah, understand the different components of it and the nuances of it. And then when you find yourself struggling with that, right. Yeah. Then maybe that's when the, the imposter syndrome creeps in or the insecurity of, well, maybe, maybe I don't have something to, to, like maybe I actually don't have something to be offering because I can't articulate it in a way that like, everybody seems like the boxes want me to, you know, does that make
1: sense? Totally. No. Yeah, totally. And I feel like, you know, as I build up, like maybe if I do a little bit more with the products or with photo shoots, I can build up a little more of a portfolio that like can show directly sort of how I'm doing this. But in the past, like through Glitter Guide and, and stuff, it can sometimes get confusing to see like what is it that you're you know what is it that you're really doing or creating you're not the photographer you're not the writer you're not this like what do you do you know what I mean I think that that's kind of what sort of I feel like sometimes um and actually no one's really ever said that to me it's just my own inner critic um
0: isn't that wild isn't that crazy (laughs) like there's this whole like struggle and like pain and suffering that can happen around this and I know for a fact Taylor that you're not alone because I've self-experienced it and like my own field in my own ways but I've also I mean I work with a lot of creatives in my practice and this is I mean this is an experience again unique to each their own but like that others are experiencing so you're so not alone in it but I don't know I mean it but but it's but it's like this huge suffering struggle even when like there isn't necessarily anybody who's like Nobody else is saying these things. No, <laughs>
1: you know, like bringing it back to social media and like the comparison thing is that like, just like everybody else, um, I can, I can be on cloud nine one morning and be like, okay, I'm so excited about the projects I'm working on. I'm so excited about this and that, and really in a good headspace. And then you can go on to social media and for whatever reason, be triggered by something. Um. And just feel like everything that you're doing is shit, you know, and just like, what are you doing? Or maybe you have an idea and it's taking a really long time to get it off the ground and somebody else pops up with that same idea and you're like, ah, but no, I've been trying to get this off the ground and you just, and then it deflates you and you just feel so slowed down. And I think a lot of the problem, like with social social media, it's kind of twofold. It's like, the good thing is that there is so much out there now to inspire people and to connect people but then there's also so much to compare to and so much to look at and and feel inadequate because you feel like you should be trying to, to do that or you're never going to be able to do that or whatever it is um and i ha- i experience that probably multiple times a week i mean i'm i feel like i'm i'm pretty healthy with how i um engage with my social media and i, I if i if i feel that i'm going down that path i will put my phone away for the like as for quite a lot, a while that day, or I won't check out a certain account if there's an account that's like triggering me and whatever, for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that people just have to be more mindful of how they're, um, digesting social media because yeah, it is just, it's just so much. And no matter what you do, even if you're not a creative, if you're a stay at home mom or a working mom in a corporate field, or you're somebody, you know, whatever it is you're doing, there's social comparison is, human nature but I think it's so amplified and in our faces now that we have to be really mindful of how we're we're taking that in so well for
0: I mean for we've always we've always been there's always been ways in which we could compare ourselves to somebody else's life like when like through a magazine or you know um, comparing ourselves to you know models that we see on television or whatever
1: what is that old phrase like Keeping up with the Joneses, you know, it's like yeah, your your neighbors, you know what I mean. That it's totally human nature to compare.
0: Yeah, what happens with what happens with social media though is that we're we're scrolling and we're still engaged in comparing, and we're comparing again to somebody else's highlight reel or you know curated filtered like highlight reel. And we're comparing that to our real lives, which in that in and of itself is painful. But then also with social media, instead of it being like comparing ourselves to somebody, an actress or a model we're seeing in a magazine, it's it's like we're comparing ourselves to somebody that also feels real. You know, like I think with magazines yeah. and with actresses and stuff, it's like, well, they're yeah. they're they yeah, but like with social media and Instagram, it's like no, there's a there's a greater sense of connection to this person, maybe, yeah. um, or a sense of familiarity. But yet we're still but it's still their highlight reel and it's still curated potentially or filtered, right? right? Potentially. And we're comparing our, you know, real lives, not just the highlight reels, um, uncurated, unfiltered to those things. And it is it is a it is a tricky,
1: sticky, painful place to get stuff. Totally. And I feel like it's kind of a catch 22 also for people who like, you know, like me, I, I have to rely on social media a lot for my business. And so there are times when I'm like, okay, I just don't want to go on social media for the whole week. And I just feel like just doing my own thing. But then you get this fear. It's like, it's like they've put it in, they've like made you addicted where you feel like if I don't go on there, am I going to just like disappear? Am I going to lose all my engagement? Am I going to lose followers? And it's like, you know, part of me is like, Oh, just who cares? You know, but you also don't want your business to suffer. So you're kind of feel stuck, you know? Um, but normally for me, I mean, I'm not on the spectrum of just being like, I, I feel like, I kind of understand what's happening. I can see when I'm going to be triggered. Sometimes I'll even know like if I'm more tired or more anxious that day for whatever reason, maybe it's not a day to to really engage much on social media, you know, and just kind of know yeah. how my mind works. Like the more tired I am, or if I'm really stressed out, it's not a good time for me to really be on social media, you know? Yeah.
0: So, being, so being super mindful yeah. of of, and like kind of doing that, like check in with yourself before you before you check in oh, yeah.
1: right on social media yeah. like and you should set, doing, and setting of, boundaries, yeah. I think is really important for anybody who's on social media yeah. and, and being like, and people talk about this a lot now, I think, but it is important to just, you know, you, maybe it's like you don't check it first thing in the morning and you don't check it the first time, you know, right before you go to bed and mm-hmm. you have these little windows where you're allowed to go in and check it and that's it, you know? And I think that that, yeah can really help it, it. Not only is it healthier, I think for you, but it also, for me, keeps me more focused, you know, like I have a lot of things going on all the time. And then I'll find out that I was like on my Instagram scrolling for like an hour. And I'm like, wait, <gasps> I don't have time for that, you know? So
0: no, no, absolutely. I mean, you, you know, this because, um, because you're you. And so you know this about me, but I have, like, I, I actually started like a just private, I mean, basically like, blank, account yeah. on social media <laughs> where i follow like 30 people and it's like it's the 30 people that i want that i don't know i mean i want to, there's a lot of other people i want to follow and i want to be engaged with um but these are the 30 people that like i seeing their stuff makes me feel good yeah. um but, but it, what it also does is because i'm not going to engage using this like blank account it it forces me then to be intentional in how i engage so I'll either like take a screenshot of something and like text it to you and like reply to you about it, that how I don't know, or 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 I'll go back, log on and be intentional of going onto that person's account to respond. Because there's just there's more intention behind right. it instead of just scrolling, liking, scrolling, like liking and it's for I mean just for engagement reasons or for whatever reason i don't it just it allows it takes it allows me to have social media not suck up as much time during the day right and just being super more intentional about what i'm what I'm seeing what I'm engaging with and and how you know that's great um I want to do that. I mean, and I know, (laughs) know, and obviously, you know, for somebody like you, so much of your job is online, right? Like, I mean, everything is, is pretty much online. And so I mean, it's not going anywhere and you're not going to like walk away from it, but it's, you've had to really develop intentionality in how you engage around it because there are so many traps.
1: Totally. I mean, they've set it up. I mean, they've essentially set it up so that you do have that fear if you don't use it that yeah. something's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, it it's yeah. um so you kind of have to just take control of it and and let the cards fall where they may because otherwise, you know, right. you're just you know, it's not it's you're kind of at the whim of social media and like it's just like it's just so unhealthy. So I feel like for me, I I have to just be like, for example, I think I said something to my audience. A couple weeks back, of like, you know, I'm just gonna go rogue here and I'm just gonna post whatever images I want. I mean, obviously, I'm not just gonna post like unedited, ugly photos, but I'm gonna post any type of photo that I want, even if I know I'm gonna get like 200 likes, whereas like normally I might get like something like 1,000 to 2,000. I know, I just don't care. I'm gonna post what I think is interesting and it's not to get engagement. And it's, you know, of course, I want to. be connected to my audience. It's not about that. It's just that I don't want to play the game of Instagram. You know, I just want to be on there sharing things I love and connecting with people in a way that feels organic and natural to me. And man, yeah. I've seen how the things have gone, you know, gone downhill on a lot of photos. And I'm just like, you know what, I just, I'm taking control of my own feed and not allowing myself to feel the pressures
0: right reclaiming agency yeah. because then otherwise at some point if if you're doing things for somebody else all the time at some point then you're then you're then you stop and you're like whoa where am i and how did i get here
1: totally. um, yeah you're like you've gotten and, lost in it yeah.
0: right and and then i think in that you can lose that sense of self um, but also if, if authenticity is a value right then then that can also be lost oh. right in sort of in that process yes you so can- has has becoming a mom shifted things for you with, I mean, I mean, I guess we could talk about it in terms of career and 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 goals in terms of career, right? and but also, but also
1: social media. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I think I think most people would agree that, like when you have kids, so much changes. I, I feel like in terms of my career, and like what I love to do, and my work ethic, and things—none of that's really changed. It's actually, if anything, it's made me more ambitious and more driven. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, but I think the thing that I've learned, over you know, the most um, over the last couple of years is that, um, to like what I mentioned before, I've really become very focused on setting boundaries. I feel like my kids you know, we, my husband and I work a lot and my kids are in school and care a lot. And I just feel like, you know, I only get so much time with them and I want to have that time be quality time when I do get to be with them. And in the past, you know, I made some with my daughter, I'm, when she was young, I made, I, I thought that I could do it all. And I was watching her a lot while also trying to juggle the business and,
0: Yeah. (laughs) The
1: most stressful time in my career and life, really just learning how to be a new mom, like, you know, figuring out how to juggle being a boss and running the business and trying to take care of my, I mean, it was, I was beyond overwhelmed. And so, you know, little by little, I started having her in more care and more care and take, you know, I, I went, I ended up doing daycare. Um, which was great because you know, I work from home. So having the nannies up here wasn't working really well for me. So once I started to kind of get more comfortable with that, now I'm at the point where like with my son, I didn't really make that same, and it wasn't a mistake, but I didn't really go that down that same route. And I had him in care from pretty much the get-go because um, as much as I want to spend time with him and be with him, I knew that if I needed to, if I want to keep this career Afloat, I would have to have some solid working hours. So, I've created a schedule for myself and for our family that works that we feel good about. And I feel like now I have a little bit more of that. uh, compartmentalizing my work and my family time. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, things still get kind of you know messy at times, as it as it just always will. But I think that this is the first year that I have really been like strict with myself because having kids just really show like they're, they're everything to you. So everything else becomes second. So I'm going to put them above, above work, but work is still important to me. So finding a way where I can balance both and give my full attention to both, um, has been something that's finally sort of come into place in the last year. And I'm, you know, doing my best with that. So that's something I feel like having kids will teach you is that, you have to be super efficient with your time. You have to create a schedule and task to stay on top of things because you're just the most busy that you've ever been.
0: <laughs> right. And boundaries. I had a I was recently having a conversation with a student of mine who was asking about maybe going on to get her a PhD and but she also was like, I also don't want to have kids, I wanna have a family and I just don't know how like is that possible? And I I remember going to orientation for my phd program no it was it was no it was interviews so it was the interviews for the phd program and i was breastfeeding and i had my pump and i kept having to go take like pumping breaks and i remember like spilling it and i had like milk all over me and it was just i was just a hot mess and i remember one of the students like there was a student panel where we could ask questions at the end of the interviews like people who were already students there and i I asked about like families. Like how do you, you know, balance having families while being in the program? And this woman looked at me and she said, You don't. You marry the program. You marry the work this this school. You like she's like, I don't have like relationships with my friends and I like have Please boundaries of the family and I don't think that you can. Like I think that like you have to focus on this. And I had like my my breast pump. I remember like I remember like kicking it under my chair to be like, well (laughs) let's let's make sure nobody sees the fact that I'm clearly have a family because I have a like breast pump here. Um and I remember driving home and I remember crying and I remember just being like, I guess I can't do this. And then I talked to my family about it, and I talked to—I um, was super intentional about reaching out to other women professionals that I know have families who have gone on to get their PhDs yeah. to just sort of like, kind of unpack this comment that was said that just made me feel like, well, maybe I can't do this. Um, and you know, it was—I don't know. There just there was a strong message there that I couldn't and. What, but I obviously decided to do it anyway, and what I actually found is that I feel like having and it was hard. I mean, there were plenty of times when it was like it felt painful to get up in the morning before my daughter woke up, and like to get home at night because it was a two-hour commute there and two hours back. And then I um, had my son and had ever, and then I was like breastfeeding and having to pump and all of that. I mean, it was. I remember all, it all was that. <laughs> It was hard, but I actually feel like having kids, having those, having my kids, and having my husband, like I was so, I was so much better about boundaries during my PhD program than I was during my master's program when I didn't have kids. Because having kids, I mean, I just I knew what was actually more important, and like when I, I don't know, I was able to set better boundaries, and so I got less, um, I was less, less, I don't know, I was less like, like. I didn't resent the program in the school because I had better boundaries yeah, around well, it. I mean, I think it's, yeah, it's about mm-hmm. like
1: knowing that like, yes, I'm going to try a hundred percent as at, when I'm doing one thing, I'm going to try really when I'm working, I'm going to try my best. But then when works over, I, I let it, I try my best to just let it go because I want to focus on something else. And if that means I'm going to, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean this, but if it means I'm going to lose an opportunity or I'm going to miss out on something or I'm not going to go to an event or whatever it may be. Like, I feel like you have to pick and choose and prioritize a lot more when you have a family. Yes, and exactly. And you, and that's yeah. fine. You know, like I, I am happy to do that because, you know, as much as I, I feel like, like you were saying, like before I had kids, I'd be working late hours. I would be like stressed out in the middle of the night. And I would just, now I'm like, yeah, no, okay. I, sh- I shut down my computer at like four every day. And I don't I try my best not to really go and do any emails. I used to try to work when the kids went to bed. But once I had two kids that really kind of like went out the window because by the time <laughs> I get them to bed, and then I'm done like cleaning up around the house and getting ready to just chill out. My brain is like, nope, I'm all done. (laughs) Like, no more.
0: (laughs) But but it takes, like, it takes low letting people help you. I mean, I had to, like, unhook myself from the thoughts of, you know, I'm a bad mom if I'm not with my kids all the time. And, like, to allow people to help me so that I could go and do the things related to work um, or school. And then when I was at work and school, I was, not perfectly but did my best to be all there. When I was right. home, not perfectly, but did my best to be all yeah, there. Never and like perfectly how- <laughs> never perfectly. Super messy. Gloriously yeah. imperfect. But um but I also like when I would go to school and I would hear students saying like, Oh, I had to pull I pulled an all nighter or I was like studying for this or like I was writing for like twelve hours yesterday. And then for me to be like, Yeah, I spent maybe a good two and a half hours, right. like, you, makes, know, you know, honestly, this. it
1: makes you more efficient in a way because you know, you have to cram in a certain amount of work yeah. in a small time frame, And so you just get it done, you know, and what doesn't get done today, you're like, I just got to do it tomorrow. Sorry. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it just becomes, you don't have a choice, you know, I, and I, I think it's good. I also think that, you know, it's a little easier for me to say now than years ago you know like it would be harder if I was just just in the first you know one to two years of my business and then having my kids you know like I had a little bit of time of under my belt in the industry before I had kids and it's not to say that you can't do it but it just was easier for me because I do have some people helping me with the business you know and then um, This year, I have a lot more systems in place with the business so I can feel more confident that if I'm not working or if I'm not cram- cramming in those last minute emails in the middle of the night, it's going to be okay, you know. And mm-hmm. it would be harder if I was a one person team and handling everything. But that being said, I think it still can be done.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, quickly before we get off, uh, I. I know just because this is a conversation you and I have had a couple of times that I just think is a conversation that people don't have very often. That's so important. So this idea of growth, yeah. right? And we were ta- we've we we've talked a lot in this episode about like discourses and the messages and the things that we're supposed to be doing and then the social, social comparison. And I feel like all of this connects to this idea of like what growth is supposed to look like and how we're supposed to grow right. as entrepreneurs or as a creative or really in any industry, I think. Yeah. Um, but this idea that like we're supposed to grow, 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 and, and then what that growth is supposed to look like. I know that you <laughs> have some thoughts on that because it's something that you've struggled with, right? In terms of what is growth supposed to look like? And is it okay to redefine what that means for me?
1: Yes. This is something that I I talk to myself about a lot. <laughs> and I feel like <laughs> is something that more people should talk about. I was actually kind of surprised. I just recently heard a podcast and I can't remember the woman's name, but it was a a, a journalist who was specializes in small businesses. And she, she was talking about how not enough, not enough people are talking about the success of small businesses and how it's, how it's fine to just be a one person show forever or a two person show forever. And And that you can have a great career in that. And I think that right now, more than ever, it's, everything is about, you know, growing and being successful and like, how can you get to the next level? And how can you make, you know, seven figures and how can you grow a massive team? Um, And there's this pressure more than ever in a good way, because there's so much more that's accessible to people now. And There's podcasts out there to help you with that. And I think overall, it's great. But sometimes the message can come through that you need to constantly be growing and constantly be on to the next thing and constantly have a bigger space, a bigger office and more projects and more products and all this stuff. And I have felt very overwhelmed by that because for me, from the very beginning, um, I always told my husband when... When launching the business, that my goal was to launch a business that suited my needs. So for me, it was about doing something that I was passionate about, that was something that could could sustain our lifestyle and and support our family, um, and be successful. But success—that's that's what success looked like to me. Um, and I have and I have done that, and I've continued to do that over the years. But Society will tell you, well, you need to be making more money and you need to have more people and you need to do more. And I remember I used to say, somebody said something to me, and I my husband would be like, Why do you why do you tell people you don't want this like huge business? That just sounds weird. And I'm like, Well, I'm not using it as like a coping mechanism or something. I'm saying it because it's true. Like, I don't have the personality, at least right now, I don't have the personality to be a business owner of a huge business with tons of employees and um, a huge office and, and things. That's just not, I don't have that desire. And so yeah. it can make you feel like you're doing something wrong or that you don't ha- you're not ambitious enough. Um, if you don't have those goals and it can be confusing to navigate how to continue to have a successful business, you know, without growing too big, you know, I, yeah. It's just such a murky place to be, and so confusing. Um, and I think it's so
0: interesting because I think that there's there's scarcity culture, and then there's abundance culture, and I think that they're like two sides of the same coin, if that's the right yeah. phrase to use for that. Because scarcity culture is this idea that like there isn't enough, right? There isn't enough to go around. Um, and I think that as a creative, sometimes that can be a struggle. Um, or for an entrepreneur, any entrepreneur. But then there's abundance culture where it's like we need more, more growth, grow bigger, bigger office, more employees, bigger projects, yeah. right? And I think, though, that they are related to each <laughs> other, right? Neither one is healthy. I don't think it is. I think that it leads to... I mean, I think that abundance culture leads to the feeling of scarcity culture, and leads to more social comparison and pain and suffering because you're trying your your the growth is being fueled by feeling like feeling like there's a scarcity, right? Like there's not enough. Yes. Um, but I think instead of scarcity or abundance, what if it what if we saw enough? Yeah, right. And enough defined by what enough means for us, right? Like and for you and for your family and for your needs and your personality
1: and what what brings you. I think it's like defining what success means to you, you know, Um, success is going to look different to everybody. And I also think, you know, one thing that can be tricky about it too, is as you start to grow a team, um, it can be difficult to find the right team members who are aligned with what you define success as, because everybody has a different idea, right? So you may end up having somebody on your team that, doesn't value the same story of success that you do and so then it becomes a disconnect or
0: um, and that doesn't make their how they define it wrong. it just means that there's not yeah we just have
1: different goals different personalities different whatever it may be maybe they think that the company should go this way and I think it should stay this way and you know and part of me is you know obviously you don't want to not grow in the sense of like we I want the company to evolve you know and I want us to continue to push ourselves to to go into to try new things that I am totally fine with but the whole idea of that like I need more people and more money and more space it just like that overwhelms me and I'm sure that that's a much more common thing than people talk about and I've been li- yeah. I listen to a lot of podcasts in the morning and I've actually feel like I've started to hear this a little bit more than I have been in the last like year or two, I have heard a couple. And again, I think it depends to who you're listening to because again, everybody's definition of success is different, but I have heard some people who are a little bit more in the same mindset of me um, where they have, they've actually gone the route of going much bigger, you know, getting funding, growing a team, getting a larger office, Mm -hmm. and like all the amazing things that come with that, but then also all of the added pressure and time constraints that happen and a lot of these people who um, are creatives and maybe in, a little more introverted, like I am, and it they get super overwhelmed, and then they yeah. are very unhappy in their careers, and then they end up leaving yeah. the company or selling the company or whatever it is. Um, so I think for me, it's a the tricky thing is figuring out how to grow, how to stay relevant, how to continue to be successful, but keep it in the way that feels comfortable for me and the lifestyle that I want, you know? So that's just tricky.
0: <laughs> it is tricky. And but I, I don't know. It's just, it's been, I feel like, I feel like we could talk for hours about this, especially <laughs> because there's so many layers to it. And, and also just, I feel like I, it's, you're a different person to have on the podcast because I have sort of been in that space with you, um, during like those painful yeah. moments, like on both ends. Right. Yeah, And we could, I mean, there's so much we could talk about, but because of time, we do have to come to an end today. But Taylor, this has been so fun. (laughs) Before we started, you were like, "Is this more uncomfortable and awkward for you?" Because (laughs) we're like, we talk all the time, or is it more comfortable? And it was a little bit of both. (laughs) I'll say. I feel like, in some ways, it's just it's just a conversation that we have all the time. In In other ways, I'm like wait it's so weird for me to be like interviewing you (laughs) it's not how you could talk there's a little bit of both but regardless it was so fun and maybe we'll have to do it again because I feel like there's so much more I don't know there's so many pieces that we could talk about we could talk about just the motherhood stuff for like another hour but
1: next up if you want a motherhood one tell us
0: (laughs) (laughs) so Taylor where can people find you and your work and and continue to follow you
1: yeah, so f- for all things Glitter Guide, you can go to glitterguide.com and we're at Glitter Guide for pretty much all social media channels. And for my work, you can follow me at Taylor Sterling and I am hopefully launching my site in the next couple weeks, um, which is Taylor um, Sterling.com. And gosh, yeah, cross my fingers that I get that thing live. <laughs>
0: In the next video, oh, you will. You've put so much heart into it and it'll when it comes out, it's because it'll be ready to come out. Yes. It's gonna it's coming.
1: And I'm super excited I- to have that finally be live in a place that I can just kind of create fun things. One thing that I think is relevant because we've been talking so much about creativity is that the site will have a little bit of a focus on that. And it kind of was something that just organically started happening happening as I was working on the site. Um, and I'll just kind of delve into the creative process, creative insecurities, creative confidence. Like how, how do you maintain, you know, being creative, what, what you think it takes to be creative, all these different things that um, I find interesting <laughs> are going to happen with yeah. a bunch of different women and people that I think are doing amazing and inspiring things. So I'm looking forward to that.
0: I'm so excited to see it. Cause I, I think, like you said a lot of what we talked about today from what you've shared with me it sounds like the web, the site is going to be a place for yeah doing more of the showcasing that you that you've done through glitter guide but also sort of like bringing in the like let's talk more about the creative process and it sounds like there's gonna be a lot of like more like, like vulnerable and like vulnerable conversations of like really looking at some of these processes and how like the
1: challenges of them and kind of Yeah, a more look at that. And I think that we need to have more of that dialogue. Yeah, I'm excited. I think it's been, it's kind of funny how it happened. Because, you know, the site was really just going to be a place for me to have random like musings and things that I was thinking about and then sharing portfolio work. But as I was working on some of the portfolio stuff, I started thinking about other creatives and who I found fascinating and wondering more about their process. And then I was like, why don't I just ask them? (laughs) So it's going to be fun.
0: Oh, I can't wait. All right, Taylor. Well, I love you and thank you for being on my podcast. And uh, I will put all of these things in the podcast notes so that folks can find you and the website and all your work. And, well, I was going to say... Well, I'll I'll be probably talking to you later this afternoon, so (laughs) you and I can continue the conversation later, but we're going to end for now. Thank you so much, Taylor. Thanks, Cassidy. It was my pleasure. You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the information that was shared in this episode. If you did, you might want to subscribe and be the first to hear about future episodes as soon as they air. Thank you so much for sharing this space with me. Have a great day.